Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And I'm joined here today on this very fine afternoon with James Payne. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good this afternoon, man. It's a sunny day outside and oh, it's been a, a great afternoon to be fair. Uh, Historically this speaking, this, this, feeling this feeling doesn't get old, does it? I feel, I feel great. Um, go on, what are you going to yeah, say? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, historically speaking, Arsenal don't fare very well during uh, afternoon kickoffs. Um, yeah. Uh, when was the last one that we played? 12.30 against City, we lost 2-1. Uh, the one before that... 5-0 um, against City. 5-0 against City. I mean, we did beat Newcastle 2-0 and the other one. Uh, right, we beat Leicester 2-0 in the other one. Um, well, why is it in my head that, I, that I'm that i thinking Arsenal don't do well during... I think it's because the City ones, because both of the City ones were at um, mid, midday. 5-0 and 2-0. We should have won one of the City ones as well. Yeah. So, um, um, but I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? it? For all the right reasons. And and I think um, Jake Humphrey said it right at the end of uh, the game. Um, when he was talking about the relationship between the fans and the players. Arsenal win 1-0. The players go over to celebrate with the Arsenal fans and the sun is shining on the away fans. And that, I think, uh, summarised really what what a great afternoon it was for all of those fans who, who went out there. And actually, I, was, I, was, um, I, I would have went out there myself. I was planning to anyway, um, had it not been for um, my trip, my upcoming trip. So um, kind of gutted that I wasn't able to go, but... I mean, what a, what an atmosphere that they created and what a great Definitely. experience it would have been for some of those kids that were there as well. Absolutely. Saka uh, gave a, a young a kid his shirt at the end of the game. and, and That was a and really guy, nice gesture and that was a really that, nice that scene. Kid, that kid will have that memory for the rest of his life now. and that's uh, That shirt where is. Bukayo Saka scored uh, Arsenal's 2000th goal as well, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm most well. Probably, I'd like to say probably at this point, probably the goal that will go as far as to getting us in the Champions League. Potentially, who and knows? For, and, for, yeah. and, for, and for that little boy, I don't know how old he was. I didn't, really, I didn't see the picture, but um, you know, getting in the Champions League as an Arsenal fan is ingrained in our history. Mm, so yeah. you know, that tradition has to be continued. To be back where we kind of belong, sort of, sort of. Not well, yet. yeah, not just not yet. Back. Not just yet. I'm not counting all my chickens yet, but we are nearly there and we march on to another victory. And this is why we, you know, this, I mean, I mean, it's, it's very simple. I remember, um, you know, when Leicester won the Premier League and, you know, it was midway yeah. through the season. There was my favourite Premier League season. Yeah, 15 or 15 odd games to go. And um, you could tell that something special was happening, but no one could really, you know, pinpoint what was going to happen. But you could tell that Ranieri had... Um, galvanized his players to, you know, only look at one game at a time. And I feel like Arteta has done something similar here where no one's really running away running away with it. There's no real, like, instilled expectations for Arsenal to finish top four as of yet. Like, we would love to finish top four. We would love to finish in Champions League spot. But I feel yeah. like at, where we are right now as a fan base, as a club, um, we are very, very, we're very much focused on just, taking it one game at a time um and that's why everyone is 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 you know carrying the mantra of uh you know 11 finals or 10 finals um before we can actually you know celebrate or well, right, whatever it is that we'll do 
Yeah, you talk about Ranieri. Ranieri's first point was to get to the 40-point mark. Yeah. And for, for, for ages and ages, he said, 40 points? No, I'm not going to be drawn into this. I have to get 40 points first. I have to get 40 points. And uh, Arteta hasn't done anything, hasn't really done that. He's just said, take it one game at a time. You know, he said something in his press conference that I kind of, I kind of liked. He said, we need good food, have a good sleep, yeah. and then we go again. So you, we just need to take one time, one game at a time, and then yeah. hopefully, what comes after it is is a celebration of being back in the Champions League. Yeah. I mean, you could draw certain uh, similarities to Ranieri, the way that Ranieri um, approached football matches to the way Arteta is, because you know we might not be chasing a certain amount of points, but what we are chasing is perfection on the pitch. Um, and so, what's 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 really what's what's really encouraging to see is that. You know, as well as getting free points, that's not the be all end all. There isn't a Mourinho kind of mentality to the way that we're playing football, which is get the goal, park the bus, and defend for your lives. It was a little bit like that in this game, but for the most part, um, Arte- end, yeah. yeah, for the most part, Arteta expects you know a very very high standard of football being played on the pitch in every aspect: defending, attacking. Indeed. Uh, you know, shape without the ball, shape with the ball, you know, player positioning, zonal marking, overlapping runs, just everything. Everything that we have seen in the last, you know, six to 12 months has been a, a gradual build up to um, what I describe as very close to being a perfect football inside. And, you know, I tweeted it out during halftime um, that I, I genuinely do believe Arsenal are the second best football inside in the league, having watched us play against. Liverpool, having watched us play against you know the majority of the Premier League sides, for the most part we've been dominant in those games. Um, the games that we have lost against Everton, against United, those two teams for me, the games particularly, I don't think we were you know the second best. I don't think we deserve to lose those games, but we did because of um, you know the experience side of things and just being on this kind of I guess this this um, journey of you know learning about ourselves sure. and growing. Um, but this, I mean, for me, I don't know about you, but this feels like a, a really big, significant three points. Um, I, 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 I expected Arsenal to win, but I don't know, just something about this victory just seems really significant. Absolutely. We go four points ahead of Manchester United in, in, in what is a very, very tight at the minute title race and top four race. Mm. Um, and you know, you know how much we care, we hate United. And it's always, to, it's always good to, you know, make that gap even bigger. Um, I've got a United fan that says top four is all the hours. And, mm. um, you know, uh, I, I think it will be harder than that. I don't think it will be that easy. I think United will, will win some games be- between now and the end of the season, of course. Um, maybe not, which do you would be want, lovely. Do you want to have a look at their next upcoming fixtures? We can do, we can do. Let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's have a look. Let's talk about it because um, it, is, it, it is interesting. We've only got uh, about 10 games left, right? We've played our 18th. Well, we played our 28th, sorry. So um, yeah. ten, 10 more games left. United have nine more games left. And those with those nine, you've got Leicester at Old Trafford. They then play Everton, Norwich. They've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Crystal Palace. Hard, hard, hard run of games. Um, the games that I see them slipping up, well, I see them slipping up at all of them, but... Um, particularly Leicester United, sorry, uh, Leicester, Liverpool, us, Chelsea and Palace. Those five games are going to be so, so, so difficult. 
really hard. Yeah. Um, what was the first one you said? I'll go. I'll go, I'll go and dissect them with that with my with my viewpoint. So, uh, the so they've got Leicester next, second of April, so after Leicester. the international break. See, Leicester for us has been quite good this season because we did the, do- the double over them, and significantly, yeah. you mentioned Ranieri. Mm. Uh, the last time we did the double over Leicester was Ranieri's title-winning season. So, mm. um, <sighs> Leicester's a bit weird for me because Leicester can turn up. We know that. Yeah. It's just this season, I think they've put all their eggs in 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 the European basket. Yeah. I think they they know they're going to stay up. They know they're not going to be drawn into some sort of uh, relegation battle. Um, and maybe the maybe the owner, who is very a uh, hands-on owner and likes to do stuff. With it. he likes to make his he likes to make his goals known, you know, he wants to be the be the best he could possibly be. And maybe this season he was like, We we need I want a European trophy. Hmm. Um because I know we're we're good enough to stay up. We have the players to do that. And Brendan Rogers has brought in players, you know, he's brought in the likes of uh Dakar and you know, uh who's the other one that's been influential? Can't think of it. Like all the young players coming through Leicester now, Dewsbury Hall. Fafana as, well. as well, yeah. Fafana's Fafana, I think yeah. he should be back from injury soon as well, yeah. So that'd be a boost. Yeah, so he's brought in some great players to help to help to help their cause. And I think this season, because they're that far in the European um conference league or the Europe Europe Conference League, I think they're putting all their eggs in that basket. Mm. Um But that said, it still could be a very hard game for United. Yeah. Um, here's another question uh, unrelated to United. It's more to do with us, sure. to be honest. We've got 10 games left, right? So I want to look at the next five games as I as I usually do on every episode, especially when the season comes to an end. It's, it, it makes for a really interesting ending. We've still got the North London derby to, to, to be scheduled in. I'm looking at the fixture list here. And ridiculous that they haven't scheduled that, by the way. Yeah, but I mean, it's stupid that they haven't fi- fixtured that, uh, put that fixture in because it's, it's one of the biggest fixtures, uh, you know, in the league um for for both sides as well and you know i sure. think most fans would 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 want it to be on a weekend but it, it makes it really difficult um for that to take place because after the international break you've got uh palace on the 4th which is on a monday then you've got brighton on the 9th which is a saturday southampton on the 16th which is on the ne- the following saturday then you've got chelsea on the 20th uh, which is the Wednesday, United on the 23rd, which is a Saturday. And then after that, there's a bit of a break between the game at West Ham um, on the 1st and, yeah, between the 23rd and the 1st. Is there an international break between the 23rd and the 1st? There is, because the squad's just been announced, but I don't know when. No, 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 but the international uh, break is now, as in this was the last game. The international break takes place for the next two weeks. Um, we're back. Yeah, we're, we're we're back in action on the fourth of April. So that's two weeks. But after this international break, is there any more? Is what I'm asking because uh, there may be a chance no, that okay. So there may be a chance that the North London derby slots into the thirtieth. Um, that's if they don't have a game to play. And I'll just have a quick look at their fixture list as well. Um, uh, um, okay, so. Their upcoming games, West Ham tomorrow. That that game against West Ham is huge. Is oh they do they got a game on the thirtieth of April, so that that we won't be able to play them on a weekend. So it will most likely be played on a weekday, um, and I and I think it probably will be slotted in between uh, West Ham I don't and think Leeds. It will be played on a weekday. Well, it's going to have to be because there's no other time. 
Because on, on the Arsenal website, it says 4.30, and I don't think they'll pay a game at 4.30 on a weekday. Really? 4.30? Where? It says if you go on the Arsenal if you go on the Arsenal website, it says yep. Sunday, January sixth. Actually, January. 6th. Oh, okay, no. That's the old one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I, I think it will be slotted in between West Ham and Leeds, which means we're gonna have to play three uh, games in between three days. So it'll be West Ham on the yeah. first, uh, probably Tottenham on the fourth, and then Leeds on the seventh. So, you know, we, we've still got a lot to do, but. Um, you know, swaying away from this North London derby because that's, you know, it's a long way away. The next five league games are Palace away, Brighton at home, Southampton away, Chelsea at home and West Ham at home. Sorry, West Ham away. Sorry, Chelsea away and then United at home. Um, jumbled my words up. Um, putting Chelsea and United aside, I'm looking at the next three games because I think after that, we really do approach like crunch time. Um, Palace... Brighton and Southampton, would you reckon? Nine points out of nine? Um, you'd hope so. You'd really, really... See, I think we have the more favourable uh, running. Do you? To be honest. Even though we still have to play United, Chelsea, West Ham and Spurs. Well, well, well. United, United if we win that game, we've got top four. Yeah, and Depending United how- still have to play Liverpool as well. Depending so, on how the other game is, say if we win nine out of nine, say if we win nine out of nine between, hold on one second, let me go back to it. Say if we win nine out of nine, so uh, nine out of nine, three, yeah, nine out of nine, and then let's say loss or draw against Chelsea, and then win yeah. at United, I think that's top four wrapped up. There are lots of ifs and buts and maybes, isn't there? And then, and then West Ham. You know, West Ham are still in Europe yeah. as well, so they'll West have to Ham balance their beaten. squad. West Ham can be beaten. Leeds can be beaten and Everton can be beaten. So I think... And Tottenham... It's a North London derby. You can I'd like tell. to say I'm scared of Tottenham, but I really am not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really am not. I, I don't think they pose as much as a, a, a threat as they used to. You know, we've already won a, we've already won a North London derby this season mm. and we can most certainly win another one. I think the only sides that can really trouble Arsenal are defensively capable sides. And that's Crystal Palace, Brighton, to some extent. Um, Chelsea, definitely. And that's it. Maybe Newcastle. Um, but yeah. from from what I've seen, Arsenal, the only way that Arsenal struggle is in the final third when they can't finish because of a lack of quality. And when... Um, they're overwhelmed by long balls going over the top, um, which is what I witnessed a lot of today during the game. So, um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But um, it's gonna be, it's gonna make for a really, really fascinating ending to the season. And you it is, only and it's gonna be one hell of a documentary, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You only hope that you know we can wrap it up before the end of the season. And so that's why I'll, I'll have one very close eye on tomorrow's game uh, between. West Ham and Spurs because if they can both cancel each other out then that will I hope take them out of the um the race for the top 4. I think it might be too big of a mountain yeah. to climb up points um tomorrow. Yeah. Um but let's talk about more pressing matters like the game sure. today sure. and um you know two very very different halves um, lots happening in the game as well. I mean, I heard some people saying that it was a really dull, boring game, but for me, it was, uh, it was a game full of different kind of events. I was quite 
I, I personally felt like it was jam packed with um, lots of things happening in it. So before yeah, we talk I about, I don't know who, I don't yeah, know who said it, it was dull because maybe maybe it was dull because of the attacking side of it. I think yeah. we once we got that goal, we 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 really you know we really sh- shut up shop effectively. Um, and didn't look like scoring again. But what we did do, what we did do, it was very good. Is our defending was absolutely well outstanding. Um, mm. And maybe that was maybe that was Arteta's plan: get the get the early goal and then defend. Uh, because mm. you know um, Aston Villa can be that team, especially with the likes of Coutinho, Watkins, um, you know, uh, and whoever else, Buendia as well. Um, that they can really come at you and, and try and get in your face um, and most likely score a goal, especially with Coutinho now being back in form. So I think the the message was score a goal, which Saka did. And then if you can go forward, if, you, if there's space to go forward, go forward. But if there's not and they're coming on to you, just defend. Mm. Because the, the, these are, we, needed, we needed a reaction against it from Liverpool and this was the ideal game to do it. And yeah. uh, luckily, we got that reaction today. It was an incredible reaction. It was. It really was. And um, it was. You know, this is this is something. Uh, I guess. I guess what makes the what makes the um, the the victory that much more sweeter is because we're not used to Arsenal responding this way. Usually, when we capitulate, we do it in the run of three, three, four games. We'll drop points in the next game, in the next two, three games, either losing or drawing, and that could have easily been a draw. But we hung on to the very end. Um, but let's rewind back to the first half. And actually, before we talk about the first half, a few changes, a few changes to the starting lineup. One that I was really um, surprised with. Uh, the first word that came out of my mouth was what? <laughs> when I saw Bert Leno's name, I was thinking, hold on a minute. Yeah. This doesn't look right. But What's he, going he, on? He did, he, he did have a, um, I saw on Twitter uh, a couple of days before, I think it was Thursday, yeah. that somebody said that he had an unconfirmed, he had a not, and it was unconfirmed whether he'd be out. Yeah, but I don't see a problem. I, I didn't see a problem in that really, you know. But people, people were moaning and there. Why, why are you putting Leno in? Da, 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 da. I mean, Arteta had no choice because if 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 Ramsdale's out yeah. with a hip problem, then I mean, when I read um, from James, um, forget his second name, Bench. No, not Bench. The other one, McNicholas. Um, when I was reading, oh, yeah, when I was when I when I read his tweet that he's out with a with a hip problem, then I said, right, fine, there's nothing we can do about it. But problems, I mean, I, I, I was worried. I was certainly worried because we know that Leno doesn't have the capability of um, distributing to the level of consistency that uh, Ramsdale does. Uh, we know the quality isn't mm-hmm. there. Uh, I, I I was worried how the centre backs would react. So, and, but I know he's a great shot stopper, and 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 he proved that, you know, in the final literally the final second of the game where he pulled off that really good save. Uh, but yeah, that was it's that change. Well, it was, yeah, it was good to see that smile on his face. I have to tell you, you know, to get a clean sheet, three points. He hasn't appeared much. And, you know, it, 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 I don't know whether he's to blame for that or or, or whether the, it's just the reality of the situation that he's just not at the level where Ramsdale is, you know, to compete for that first spot. But it was really nice to see him smiling and, you know, rejoicing with the players at the end. Um, yeah, look at look at the spirit between between Ramsdale and Leno. Yeah, you know, there's no rivalry there. There's no, you know, there's no. Oh, you took my position. I'm gonna be, you know, they're 
they're there to do a job. And yeah. if one doesn't do it, then it's obvious that the other one has to come in. And I think uh, Leno, all this time he would have been learning. He would have been learning from Ramsdale. What is Ramsdale doing better? You know, Ramsdale could have been learning from Leno and what Leno's doing better because, you know, they, yeah. they, they do have very different styles of play. One's played in Germany uh, most of his career, which is a very different style of football to England. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just nice to see them both getting along and there's no malice there or there's no, you know, ill feeling between the two. And it was nice to uh, see them share that embrace at the end. But when Leno was called upon today, he did the business and he only had a few saves to make, but the last one was the most crucial. Yeah, the most crucial one, absolutely. And just just on that kind of bromance and brotherly love between those two, it really epitomizes yeah. this, the squad harmony, doesn't it? Because when the final yeah. whistle, I mean, not just when the final whistle went, but during the game, and, and uh, I talk about particularly the moment where um, Ming's put in that ridiculous tackle on Saka, Almost in a flash, in an instant, you saw seven, eight Arsenal yellow shirts surrounding the ref and, you know, ready to bite his head off. And we are, you know, we've seen it a few times before. But again, when you're talking about a typical Arsenal side who often feel sorry for themselves, you often drop their heads when things like that happen. But they were ready for a fight. And that kind of unity has, 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 hasn't existed for a long time. And, you know, I, I give... I give real credit to Arteta for for galvanizing the players and for creating that kind of um, you know that 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 uh, what kind of mentality would you would you call it? Um, I agree. I've I've said it. You know, I've yeah. said that multiple times. Um, I've said it multiple times on previous episodes. I want I want to see that old Arsenal. I I, I one player that sticks out that did that was Patrick Vieira. You know, in those in those Roy versus Patrick moments against Manchester United, he was, you know, getting in people's faces and, and really having a go. And I think Arteta has, has, has put that back, mm. uh, that fire back in the belly in, 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 amongst some of those players. If not yeah, all of them. Uh, it's no, and it's it's a real say, yes it's a real kind of us versus them mentality isn't it uh, you know he made a comment after the Liverpool defeat about the fixture list about you know the Premier League setting it up so that we'd play uh, effectively you know forty eight hours between the defeat against Liverpool and 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 the lunchtime kickoff there was no reason to play it at lunchtime they could have played it at three o'clock uh, obviously it's to do with you know television sponsorships and what time they want us to play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, he, he's he's created a real um, tribal kind of almost mentality, you know, where yeah. it's, 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 you know, forget about rationalizing things, forget, forget about making, uh, making, making it make sense. You know, if, if, if a decision like that goes against us, it's all of a sudden everyone sees red. And there's something nice about that because football is a, a really very much based on tribalism. Everyone supporting their clubs. Um, you know, you, you look at a Spurs fan, you don't look at them as a human being. You look at them as a Spurs fan. And so it's, it's in a weird way, it's nice to see that being reflected in the players. They very much, this is the first time in a long time where I feel like the players are playing for the shirt. They give a shit about Arsenal Football Club. They want to be here, you know? Um, and... Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of other managers have created that similar kind of uh, mentality and that feeling. You know, I, I feel like um, Pep did it, has done it really well at City. Klopp's done it really well at Liverpool. But um, more notably, uh, who's the manager of um, Brighton again? 
previously. Yeah, Potter's done an incredible job. I mean, you think about the think back to the times where we were playing them and the amount of feuds that we get we'd get into on the pitch. Um, but you could always tell that they were one step ahead of us because they gave a shit about you know winning for their fans and 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 their um, the club's crest. Um, but yeah, the other oh. change it, it, the other change came from the left-hand side of the pitch with Martinelli out for uh, Emil Smith-Rowe. Another one that wasn't really that surprising for me. I expected it because, you know, a little bit of rotation is key when you're playing uh, two games in a space of, you know, effectively two and a half days. Uh, but then we found out that... He, yeah, yeah, we he found out that he's, he's, got, he's got an illness. So, I mean, uh, do you know what kind of illness it was? Because I, I just stopped at illness no, really. I, they, really... Uh, they, I, I don't think they I don't think they tell us about that I just think they, they said I think if, if it was COVID related they would have said you know COVID but um, then I just think it's a normal illness because stuff is going around at this time of uh, this time of year not uh, not just COVID and, and, and stuff like that so wishing him all the best mm. hopefully he recovers fast because we need him yeah, we do, we do, we do. Um, I, I think today you could tell the difference in not having Martinelli on the left-hand side because uh, yeah. I felt like most of the attacking play was going down the right-hand side. And actually a little pattern which is appearing that I can see, something which is quite smart from Arteta is that, you know, depending on what the who the opposition is, we're, we're alternating where we attack. You know, it used to be back in the days not back in the days, but it used to be, you know, last season where we would be adamant to play it down the left-hand side because the 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 lack of creativity on the right-hand side would hinder our attacking uh, opportunities. So it would, you know, once upon a time, it was Kieran Tierney who we were relying on to fly down the left-hand side and to put balls into the box. Um, sure. Now, we're not just relying on Bakayo Saka. We're not just relying on um, Martinelli. But we've got other players as well, like uh, Martin Odegaard, who plays a really key role in our attacking play. Lacazette plays a really key role. So that's making things look a little bit more fluid. But um, I did realise today that, you know, with the ball being played to Saka out on the right-hand side, it was something that we we were forced into doing because, you know, the lack of, um, I guess, um, pace and speed down the other end meant that we couldn't be yeah. we couldn't be as direct. And also Ashley Young was on the right hand side their weak link, um, which made it a lot easier. So um yeah, I yeah, mean we'll actually, talk we'll yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk about uh Emil Smith Rowe's performance in a little bit more detail. Um let's touch on sure. the game. Uh, let's touch on the the first sort of tenish minutes. As you know, I love talking about the first ten minutes of the game because it's, it tells a lot about both clubs and um it, Yeah my it does, phone was my phone was going off I had to put it on silent so many tweets coming on. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Talk to me about the first ten minutes. Yeah, the first ten minutes. Um, not as fast as not as fast as um, Liverpool. Not not as fast as Liverpool. I think Villa's a very different opponent to Liverpool. Mm. Um, it, because it, it's Gerard, and you know, it's it's a former it's a former player, and former play, former players seem to have, I don't know. I feel like former. I feel like players, managers that haven't played football and just managed, manage the game differently to how former players manage the game. I don't know if you. I get. I get what that. you mean. It's it's like a game of psychology, isn't it? Because you've you've played alongside each other. There's that extra bit of 
um, you know, something to prove to one another. So you, I guess, I guess that's why, you know, I, I saw it as well at the beginning of the first, uh, first half in the first sort of five-ish minutes, it was quite tentative, wasn't it? Both teams were feel, yeah. trying to feel each other out. They were still, they also- played against Gerard loads of times, I think 12 times in, a, in 12 times and 10 of them were, were Merseyside Derby. So, uh, you know, Gerard knows Arteta, Arteta knows Gerard, and it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, tense affair, but um, uh, yeah, I think the first ten minutes was just us figuring out what Gerard was going to do because the last time we played Villa it was under Dean Smith hmm. uh, and not obviously Gerard. But um, yeah, the first ten minutes were good. I felt we were trying, obviously, uh, as I've said, fill, uh, like fill out how we're going to do this and try and work out if there's any way we could go forward or or are we going to have to defend for those first ten minutes? But luckily, the goal came pretty early on <laughs> um, yeah so and um and also actually the the we did we did break them down a couple of times um in the first 10 minutes very early on actually i felt like odegaard could have tested Mar- martinez um yeah, in the goal. yeah it was a great it was a great chance from us actually because Saka out on the left hand side puts a lovely ball into the box and rather than hitting it first time he's such a one-footed player i think that showed me <laughs> confirmed it for me how one-footed he is but he had to get the ball out onto his left to try and swing it but he then realized that he didn't have um any space to 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 hit the ball so he plays it to Mill Smithrow and Mill Smithrow skies it um but yeah I agree quite a balanced 10 minutes with us creating yeah. a lot of opportunities but Villa sitting back um Partey had a shot as well in the ninth minute if you if you remember I think his shots are getting a little bit better now a little bit more consistently on target rather than just you know lashing at shots um you know I think I think Partey's performance is getting better to be fair oh my god yeah uh, really really like we, solid we, I feel like we've we've finally signed the paperwork on the player we signed <laughs> in, in in the previous when did we sign Partey like two years ago two years ago two years ago so it feels like we're just closing in on that transfer right now because he is turning up and he is turning up the heat on his Atletico performances. Um, but yeah, Partey is is one of the main reasons we won this game. You know, some of the defense, some of the defensive uh, work he was doing uh, alongside everybody was fantastic. And uh, yeah, Partey, I hope I hope to go maybe on the last day of the season. He buys from. <laughs> Uh, on in the top injury. corner yeah 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 um yeah. when you when you i mean uh, you know i guess we've noticed that arsenal have been playing you know uh, performing incredibly well uh, in the last 10 15 games performances have been really good and if you if you could pin it on one player or one difference maker it would have to be um thomas partey you know without partey we look a lot more static but with partey uh, he epitomizes the perfect box-to-box midfielder, picks up the ball, knows how to run with it, knows how to turn, knows how to pass. But more importantly, he reads the game two or three steps ahead of everyone else. So the moment, and I've mentioned this before with Thomas Partey, very early on when he played for Arsenal, you will see glimpses of that in his game. But now he's, I feel like he's really made himself at home at Arsenal. It's um, and again, credit goes to Arteta for, like I said, bringing the, this group, these group of players together. But um, without Partey, it's really difficult to 
get the ball, transition it from our defensive half to their uh, their defensive half. Um, and it, it was yeah. a constant in, overall in that first half. We controlled it really well. It was similar to the Liverpool game where Villa was sitting off. Um, in the 10th minute, Consult almost puts the ball into his own net. Again, the attacking options for us going down that right-hand side with Saka, I felt a little bit sorry for Ashley Young. I have to say, he was really isolated, and you could tell how um, how much he was he was struggling with Saka. And and and, and you know, I I mentioned it in on Twitter. I, I tweeted out that the only way that you're going to stop because Saka is if you put in a really stupid foul and get yourself sent off, which maybe should have happened. Um, but let's talk about yeah. you know a few more kind of things that happened just before because Saka scored his goal. Um, uh, actually, before we do that, how did you think Villa was set up? Um, you know, just before we scored uh, the the opener and the only goal, um, how did you think Villa were going to set up, and how did they actually, you know, play the game in that first half? Because it was Villa, night and day. Of, yeah, Villa are the type of team that really, really hate us at times, um, because obviously. I think the biggest reason Villa started to hate us or, or be or we started to hate Villa was uh, Martinez. Mm. Uh, then they tried to take a Mill Smith row. So I think there's I think there's a little bit of rivalry and they and they took Chambers. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a little bit of rivalry uh, between Aston Villa and Arsenal now. Um, so and 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 Aston Villa players hate Arsenal players as well mm. um, because of the way they play. You, you just think of Ashley Young today was torn a new one at times. Um, also, we've but, been linked to a lot of their players as well. You think about Coutinho, Louise, um, Wendy as well. You know, yeah. Even, so it's, yeah, it's, so. it's kind of a back and forth between Arsenal, Aston Villa. But I think they would have. I think Gerard would have set them up. He would have. He would have gone. You know what? You know, Arsenal have been playing really, really well. Let's go and upset that. Let's go and upset that rhythm. You know, um, let's go. Let's go and be the ones that upset that rhythm. But how did you think and they were going to do that? Because it didn't seem like they were up for anything in the first half. They were set up really quite defensively. They were almost, you know, all 11 men were kind of parked yeah, up behind the ball. They were very, very shaky, weren't they? Um, they, look, they looked increasingly shaky uh, from, from I would say, the 10-minute mark. And then on the 30th minute, they, they obviously conceded. Um, but they didn't, they, didn't look, they didn't look themselves. They were trying to, you know, I, I noticed a, a, a ball went out of play from, from a... From a wayward pass, completely out of play, and they went. All the Arsenal fans shouted, "Way!" It was like, mm. you know, um, but I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see what I've seen from Liverpool under Gerrard. Normally, I, I see a nice free, free flowing attacking team, and they want to get into people and, and score loads of goals. You think about the goals they scored against Southampton, four of them. Mm. Um, but today, I felt, I felt like we, we did a very good job in isolating them and not letting them have a peep. Yeah, and also, um, going into this game, I was particularly concerned with the likes of Coutinho um, and, you know, how the, the influence that he's had on this Villa side. He's really transformed the way that they play football going forward. You know, he loves to... He's really good at picking up the ball, pinging it forward, linking up play, uh, but also finding empty pockets of spaces. And, you know, I realised that rather than playing in the middle, they put him out onto the left-hand side. Um and sure. surprising for me that they did that because you would think they might go the opposite way 
Um, and actually, who was he? Was he? Was he facing? Yeah, he was facing Tierney. He would have been facing Tierney, I think. Or would he? Or would he be facing Cedric? I'm not sure who he would have been facing. Um, but to play him out on the flank was um, strange. Um, we've seen him really at his best when he's almost playing as a as a as a number nine. They changed that, and he was missing for a large portion of that first half. Uh, and it didn't change in the second half either. They didn't change where he played. I mean, it was, uh, I guess it played to our benefit at the end. Um, yeah. I yeah. Think yeah you on. mentioned, you mentioned Coutinho. I think Arteta would have been the one to do that because hmm. Arteta would have been, you know, they have, they have good players. Let's not be, let's not, let's not be Unfair. ridiculous here. Aston Villa have good players. Look how they strengthened in the summer getting Coutinho was a massive, massive statement. No one expected, no one expected to, I think without Gerard being without Gerard being there, Coutinho wouldn't even have a sniff at that. Mm. Um, I think Gerard is, was the main reason he came back because obviously they played together and they're really good friends and whatnot. Uh, but uh, Arteta would have been Gerard. Uh, uh, Coutinho is a very good player. Let's stop him first because he's going to be their main, main attacking threat. And I think that's what we did today um, because, uh, as you said, he didn't really have a go. He just looked. He was he missing like for the f- for the whole first half. I completely forgot he was on the pitch. Uh, but and 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 um, yeah, a credit to Arsenal though because we we continued to play our free flowing football, very fluid, very um, I don't know. It felt it felt very you know at, 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 like harmony. The word harmony, harmonious with everybody linking up really well. Uh, but just before we scored the goal, things kind of settled down, simmered down a little bit. Um, Villa really just parking the bus and just you know defending quite well. They're full, they're, the way that Villa attack is they use their fullbacks like most Premier League side do to overlap, make overlap, overlapping runs. But they were too preoccupied with the defending uh, until obviously, of course, you know, when Bukayo Saka um, finishes the ball, just, I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> not finishes the ball, until he, he um, slots home uh, from out of the box, scoring Arsenal's 2000th Premier League goal, and it was a really, really good finish as well. He was he was dangerous really throughout that first half, and you could always tell a goal was coming. Um, and it was, you know, it, I guess if it, it, it felt that much better that um, it was Bukayo Saka who scored it. Good goal, very good it goal. Did. I think Bukayo Saka. I've run out of superlatives for him. Uh, I, I I just I can't wait to see what he's like at twenty four, twenty five, and 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 reaching thirty because if he's that if he's this good now, I I don't even want to. He's only twenty years old. It's gonna be scary, man. It's gonna be scary how good he's gonna get. You know, I I hate to say this now, and then he and then he really drops off, but I I don't see that happening. I don't think so. I don't. I think he's got he's got the it factor. When you look at certain players. And when they when they have the ball at their feet, you don't worry, you don't ask twice. You just know that they're going to cause problems. He doesn't need to think when he's got the ball. Bakayo Saka is someone who who has like stardust attached to his boots. Um, he does. You know, there's other players in the Premier League. Like you know, we were playing up against the uh, we were up we were up against you know Coutinho, Buendia, w- Watkins, McGinn, Ramsey, um, and you know when they pick up the ball, you don't really know what they're going to do. Ramsey's probably the next kind of up and coming youngster with potentially that eight factor. But, you know, it's very rare to find players who you look at and you just, 
you have that feeling of trust. Like, you know, instantly exactly. they're going to perform. Even if he has a quiet day, you know, and we know that Saka has had quiet days, but that's not to say that he's not going to create those moments of magic. Um, I remember when Rashford first came onto the scene at United and he was being hyped up as, you know, this incredible wonder kid. But in the back of my head, it, it, it was never solidified. Like I didn't see enough from Rashford to, to suggest that he was that boy wonder. But with Saka, it's been an upward trajectory from the kind of the, the you know, the days where he was playing in the under 10s, <laughs> Um, and you know, glowing references from all the managers that he's played under, um, and and the fruits of his labor are haven't even really started re- re- recuperating as of yet. I don't think. Absolutely anyway. not. Absolutely not. He's you know he's played under who who he's played under Emery. You know Emery and Lundberg is the main. Mertzacker as well. He didn't play under Wenger, did he? No, he wouldn't have played in the first team under Wenger. No. No, uh, he played, yeah, Pema Osaka as well, the academy manager. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's and he's played in England as well. So let's mm. not forget the England manager as well. Uh, I know AD Booth at Gareth Southgate may have done some stuff when he was under 21. Mm. Um, and AD Booth for it as well. So all this collective experience that um, that um, Saka is at, uh, earning and, and being a part of will only make him a, only make him a better player. So mm. more Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the goal, but I can't seem to find it. It's not really posted anywhere yet. The highlights aren't up, but um, from what I can remember, um, I can't remember the goal. <laughs> can you? I can remember the finish, but I can't remember the build-up. Do you remember the build-up? Uh, didn't you just go straight through somebody? I can't remember. Yeah, was it was it was fumbled out of the box. It was good play from Arsenal. It was fumbled out of the box, and then it fell to Saka, and Saka kind of just hit it. And it found it found its way in the back of the net. I think there was too many bodies ahead of. Um... Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, um, no, I can't find it either. I was just looking on the BT Sport YouTube channel, but uh, Gerard's not really happy though. So, oh really? What was he? Was he saying no? Uh, no, he he just said uh, it, the the tagline is "I'm emotional in interviews. I care." Stephen Gerard, Stephen Gerard uh, challenges interviewer on Arsenal loss. Okay, well, oh yeah, yeah, I see that, I see that. I'm emotional in interviews, I care. Um, I think you ought to be quite happy that you had 11 men after the first half, Stevie, because I have to tell you, after after the goal, after the goal, everything just, (laughs) the shit hit the fan, didn't it? With that incredible, incredibly, you know, stupid and dangerous and reckless challenge from Mings. I mean, I, I understand that he was trying to get the ball, but his studs followed through into Bakayo Saka's ankle, and we've seen it Maybe. on a number of occasions. We, yeah, we've yeah. seen we've but seen you know players' what? feet become disattached from their leg from tackles like that. I know you only need yeah. to look back at uh, no, we, Eduardo Silva and and Aaron Ramsey, Ramsey. to know that pl- tackles like that are reckless and you know dangerous. And I understand that you know you're focused, you want to win the ball, but. There, there has to be moments exactly. in the game where you have to be a little bit more sense, well, careful, sensible, and you know, just a bit, a bit more, a bit more. I don't know, considerate of what exactly. could potentially happen. Exactly. Um, and if, exactly. if, 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 if it wasn't the tackle that just outraged um, every fan watching the game, 
the decision to give the yellow card for me was, you know, a little bit questionable. Not just that, but um, the Arsenal boys surrounding the ref. John McGinn then comes into the picture and just dashes Lacazette <laughs> across the other side of the picture. Effectively, you know, Lacazette was left on the floor. It was such an aggressive um, barge, push, whatever it was. Uh, and I have to say, you know, there's a. I think, I think after that sort of episode, I understand now why Lacazette is the is the captain of the squad because he he has such a cool head, um, and, and I've realised this about him in in most of the kind of kerfuffles that happen between us and managers and sorry us and um, referees and you know little scuffles here and there. He is the only guy on the pitch who has a cool head and who's able to just calm the situation down. So when he was chucked onto the floor, I was thinking, he, he, right, it's going to all kick off now. But <laughs> he doesn't react. Um, Mings gets a yellow card. McGinn doesn't get booked straight away. And that, for me, was really strange. You know, you'd think that that kind of action would be considered as inciting violence. You know, when you're, exactly. when you're pushing exactly. a player with that kind of force and aggression, that in that kind of, in the heat of that moment, it could have all really kicked off. Um, but luckily it didn't, thanks to Lacazette, you know, just taking the, the hit. And, and luckily Saka was okay, you know, so luckily Saka was able to get back to his feet. More important, yeah. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah. I was a bit worried when he had to go off the pitch again to then come back on. Mm. Because I thought maybe he did, maybe. But that just shows, you know, that just shows how good Saka is becoming. The players feel the need to go that to go that far. And, and tackle somebody because if he if he if he wasn't that good they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have they would have just tackled him and got the ball off him. But he's that quick and he's that good at what he does that they are forced to make those tackles. And so, I I think that's what upsets me the most about the Premier League and about the level of officiating is that you know I don't I'm not really one to I don't know egg on referees when decisions go against us. I'm not one to complain when you know oppositions are given certain advantages what i care about more than anything is protection more than anything forget about advantages forget about you know certain teams being favored against others forget about the ref trying to play both sides what's the most important thing here is making sure that 22 of those players on the pitch are being protected at all times when the game is being played at the level of speed that it is today when you know players are walking around with studs which have the ability of disattaching feet from limbs yeah does that make sense feet from limbs <laughs> yeah yeah so when 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 it's able to create such damaging consequences those are the individuals who are there to make sure that things like that don't happen but the level of officiating in that first half for me was shocking because not only does Mings get away gets away with that um, that that foul, you know. Moments later, yeah. Ashley Young makes another sing- cynical foul at, uh, on on Saka, and and he's booked for it. I think two or three times he does it, but he's not booked for it. Yet when Granite Shaka turns around and pushes, um, I mean Buendia away, he gets booked. Which was like for what? If you look back at it, I, I, I don't know if you remember it late on in that first half where. I think Saka and sorry, Shaka and Buendia getting a little bit of a tussle. Um, you could see that it was Buendia who instigates the kind of aggression. 
uh, Grant Shaka puts his hand out to say, all right, sorry, sorry, fair enough, you know, just continue playing. And Buendia doesn't really want to do it. And so Shaka just pushes him away and he's booked for it. So, you know, another game where if the result went the other way, we'd be talking a lot more about refereeing. And here's not me. To, I'm not here to, to talk about refereeing decisions because I want my team to be given special treatment or I want us to be given any specific advantages. I just want players to be protected and I want the sport to have some integrity in that aspect of the game. Because it seems like it's free for all, exactly. and the referee is just playing both sides, and he's just trying to please both sides. Look, I, I'm tired of mentioning referees to the point where I won't even. You're, you're mentioning referees now. I have nothing to say. You know, mm. I have nothing to say about them. I've mentioned time and time again that the referees need changing in this country, and then all, everybody that everybody that I speak to says, "Oh no, it's just you know the referees don't need you know the referees." Need need to take a good hard look at themselves, but the people that the people that are upstairs running the referees, so do they. So like Mike Riley, for instance, the head of the refereeing body in this country in the FA, you need to take a long hard look at yourself. Um, there are there are tackles and there are tackles that have happened not just with Arsenal but with other teams as well that could have ended their careers and and, and may may have impacted the way they play the game in the future because of your reckless decisions. Um, I know I said I wasn't going to talk about referees, but I've kind of gone on into. So this is how it makes me angry, you know. Yeah. I, I, I say I'm not. I say I'm not going to speak about referees, but then I go on this tangent, so I'm going to stop. But yeah, refereeing, refereeing, uh, refereeing, uh, video assistant referees, not VAR itself, because there's the people that run it and then look and look at the screens as well, because VAR works perfectly fine, you know. Yeah. Um. But video assistant referees and referees in the Premier League. Need to have a be put have a not an investigation, but they need to be looked at in the summer and see how we can improve them because there something needs to be done with these decisions. Mm. Okay, well after that um, hoo ha, um, we we, we yeah, see yeah. we see the end of the first half. Um, I think the 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 foul on Saka really does take the sting out of the game. The pace, the rhythm. Arsenal really struggled to get back into it. Really, for the remainder of the second, the first half, uh, after scoring yeah. that goal, and I felt like we could have went on to score score another one or two maybe goals. But um, yeah, you know, Villa do what Villa do best in in Villa fashion, which is you know slowing down the tempo of the game by throwing in a number of cynical you know fouls. Um, so the end sure. of the first half, we're one nil up. Um, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite confident going into the second half that we will go on to score maybe a couple more or, you know, finish the game. How are you feeling at the end of the first half? Um, same as you. You know, we scored one. You know, we've had that hoo ha, as you said. Let's go and let's go, let's go and you know, bury them. You know, I don't. Let's go, let's go and re- really make sure they can't come back and. Um, uh, although we didn't do that, although we didn't score any more, we certainly did have a, a great second half in terms of the defensive quality and, and, and the how, how switched on we were to defend for that full 45 minutes in the second half. So although we wa- I wanted more goals, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the way we did play out that second half. Yeah, it was very, very... Um, it, 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 I guess... You know, there there aren't many games where we can look at and analyze our defensive capabilities, um, and maybe be able to analyze what we do very well or what we could do well better. But this was one of those halves mm. where 
it was really all about making sure that we were absolutely perfect at the back. Um, however, having said that, you know, the first 10 minutes of that first half, second half, sorry, I felt like we did start off quite quickly um, with the, I guess, an, an urgency about the way that we were moving the ball to try and create chances. Villa weren't not really helping themselves by making quite a few mistakes in the, in, in their half. There, you know, there was, there was a number of, uh, times where Emil Smith Rowe or Lacazette was stealing the ball in the halfway line on the halfway line and then posing a threat going the other way. Um, uh, there was a really nice inventive corner on the 47th minute with Odegaard pinging the ball on the edge of the box to, to Emil Smith Rowe. Um, he takes a touch. The shot is saved. It's kind of um, a, a soft, um, feeble attempt um, and there was another shot from Odegaard on the 50th minute, you know, the ball, and this is, this is one of those occasions where the ball is stolen from McGinn on the halfway line by Lacazette. Um, he creates the chance, nice one, two between Odegaard and Saka and the shot is blocked. Uh, and I think right at the end of the second half as well, there was an incredible opportunity with Lacazette driving forward and he has the opportunity to play Odegaard in. And that would have been two nil, but he doesn't. He, he he decides to have a shot which is blocked, the wrong decision. And I think very soon after that he's taken off. Um, but yeah, a number of opportunities for Arsenal to score a second early on in the first ten minutes, um, but then it kind of fizzles out, and Villa do a really good job of coming back into the game. What do you think it was down to? What do you think? What do you think um, Villa's, I guess, dominance for the most part of that second half comes down to? Um, probably because we knew they weren't really going to do anything. Mm. I think the imperials, imperials of any game, there has to be uh, uh, like a what, what, what I'm looking for. There has to be like a uh, what word is that? I've lost dominance. It. But there has to be. Not dominance. There has to be a feeling that they're going to get the ball eventually. Mm. They're going to have... There's going to be a part of that half... Momentum. Momentum will switch. Yeah, there's going to be a part of that half where guaranteed... Momentum is maybe guaranteed to switch to the other way. And then then that's where you've got to be solid defensively. And when they did have the ball for the most of that half, that's that's then when we switched on. And when we, I felt, played probably one of our most best defensive performances of the season. Um, you just have to see the end. That save, that save for Leno, that goal would have been in. Um, if uh, Leno or if Leno didn't save that. Um, so, yeah, uh, defensively today, again, solid as a rock. Uh, but I don't know why Villa had so much of the ball in that second half. Maybe, that, maybe that's the only negative that we have. Well, I, we I, let Villa have yeah, I do feel like um, Villa, you know, they they started to come out of their show a little bit in the sense that they were more brave to press forward. Um, they they stopped playing in a low block and they started to break us down higher higher up the pitch. Um, I noticed that yeah. they were they, they were throwing a lot more long balls forward, and I guess that was the when you look back to the Liverpool game as well. One of the one of the ways that they were they were getting Yotter in behind was you know those long balls, long looping balls over the top because naturally. You know, the reason why we, we're so dominant on the ball and we're so well um, organized when we have the ball in possession is because we play such a high line. And, it, you know, it benefits yeah. us going forward, but it hinders us defend defensively because when we lose the ball in key areas, you've got players like 
um, McGinn, who's able to play long looping balls over the top for the likes of Watkins. And they did that. They did that uh, late on in the second half. You know, they were a lot more braver by pressing a higher line to put us under pressure. So playing out from the back was a lot more difficult. Also, I think Leno's um, distribution wasn't that great. There were a number of occasions where his long uh, goal kicks were just either going out for throw-ins or falling into Villa feet. So that was quite frustrating. And, yeah, and that's still what you need to work on. You need to work on that, seriously, because yeah, yeah. because it, And it, yeah. it showed how much of a big difference it makes when a goalkeeper doesn't have great distribution because it really tips the scale on the you know possession stats and how much momentum one side have has um and it showed in the second half because when Villa won the ball back instantly they were out in a flash um and in the 60th minute uh in on the hour mark it was John McGinn with a shot that just goes curling wide uh it's set up by a long ball from from Jacob Ramsey to get Watkins in behind but eventually you know the ball comes back to McGinn and um, that was, you know, warning signs for me that, you know, it was now crunch time. It was now the time where we have to regain a foothold. Um, and we kind of did. I mean, 61st minute, you know, shot from Saka, which is deflected by Ramsey. Uh, but it's good, smart passing in that build up as well to get Saka in the box. I mean, it was Odegaard that plays Odegaard or Cedric that plays a nice smart ball into Saka's foot free in the box. Uh, 63rd minute as well. Saka has a shot as well, which is very similar to McGinn's. Bends it, bends it past the post. Um, but yeah, you could tell, you know, after after the the first ten minutes of that second half, Villa pressing um, a lot higher up, really brighter, and showing a little bit more commitment to force us into those uh, mistakes. And you know, they they crank up the pressure really when the substitutions are made. Um, Oh, there's also the 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 post um, Watkins shot, which is deflected and hits the post. Do you remember that? I think 67th yeah, yeah. minute, he has a shot and it comes off uh, Tierney's knee, um, and that that came from from another it long goal. Wasn't, wasn't the goal we def- we scored deflected as well? I don't think so. Was it? I'm, I think it. I'm not sure. I need to rewatch it, but in in my head, the the image that I can see didn't is it, didn't it hit off a knit didn't it hit off like a I don't, I don't know I don't know I think um, it just bubbled in somehow I'm not sure it might have I wonder if the highlights are on it, 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 it did look very very it did it's look a scrappy very, like, looking very, goal very, yeah easy to easy to easy to save but um, mm. yeah look I'm just like I'm just happy we got we got the win because I did say I actually I think I did say that we'd draw against Villa didn't I really yeah I think you did because I, I mean I mentioned how Steven Gerrard, how, you know, how I don't really want to face him because mm. he's been on good form. Yeah. And I watched Steven Gerrard a lot when he was at um, Rangers um, because that, that story for, for me, I, I really, I really enjoyed that management story, getting them back, getting Rangers back to uh, glory with Gerrard. It was kind of a, a weird, a weird dynamic, but he finally won the title there. So I was, when he came to Villa, I was like, uh oh, you know, he's done well, but the Premier League is a different animal to Scotland, obviously. But hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I was pretty nervous to face him, but we've we, we've done it. We've we've overcome the issue, and we've won again, and um, we're in good a good stead, four points clear of Man United, and it, it it seems to be going all our way at the minute. Yeah. Um. The end of that second half was very 
concerning. It was tense. It had me on the edge of my seat. Um, the momentum did. Yeah, I mean, he um, comes on for Saka on the 68th minute, and um, you know, Villa make their own changes with Ramsey coming off for Traore and uh, Bailey coming on for Buendia. Um, I, yeah. I'm quite glad Traore came on because he didn't really do Villa many. Um, it didn't do them much good when he came on. Uh, but um, Pepe, he <laughs> survived a bit, quite a scare there, didn't he? Giving a free kick away um, in the final few, sort of the final minute really of the game. Um, but how do you, how yeah. do you assess, assess his, his performance when he, when he came on? He had a bit of a difficult afternoon. Yeah, it was difficult. Obviously he wasn't on for that long, so I'm not really going to, you know, mark him down or, 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 or does take his appointment, uh, performance too too um intently but I, I would just say uh that for that free kick moment i mean that uh corner moment really stuck out to me because if that had gone in that would have been all on pepe and, and we probably would have been seeing some harsh stuff said about him on social media yeah. even though he only had he only had about five minutes so i would just say to him next time you're in that situation just try and get it out a little bit safer or, or mm. try and move the ball a little bit safer mm. and not I get, I get the games on the line, and, and in a split second, thinking, "Oh, well, what do I do?" Let's let you know. Let's uh, you either do one or the other, but maybe in future, just be a little bit more careful. Yeah, uh, Inketia comes on for a lot longer than he usually does. He has about fifteen to twenty minutes of the game. Um, comes off for Lacazette. Yeah. Lacazette, who looked a little bit disappointed coming off because he knew that you know moments before coming off had two minutes before coming off had he slipped the ball into Odegaard rather than having a shot, we would be two nil up. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I was, you know, I was slapping my thigh. You know, when when, when something like that happens, you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah why, just, haven't, why haven't you put that away? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he made he totally made the wrong decision there and. That's 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 the issue right now for Arsenal, isn't it? And and I, and I said this a, a while ago. If we miss out on top four, or if there's any problems that Arsenal face, it will be that we don't have the lack, with that we don't have the quality in the final third. Um, Lacazette is an incredible player, and the players around him, you know, they they link up so well. But without an out and out number nine, there is no end product. And you know, I guess it shows really with a dominant dominant performance in the first half. Um, but only managing to score one nil. I think one of the commentators said, um, "You know, it's, it's only one nil, but the, the the that doesn't really tell half of the story of the game. Arsenal dominate, have dominated, um, and you know, when exactly. when you, when your other option is Inketia, it is you know, it's, it's stark and it shows I really mean, the, the the situation we're in. Um, but t- yeah, talk to me well, about Inketia. It, it also strengthens it also strengthens how how much we need. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah. Also, strengthen how much how much we need um, because I'm the same. I don't really as much as you know. Inketia is is a is a great guy, and you know he's he's, he's, he's humble as ever. You know, um, he's not really up to. I don't really. I, he's, I I don't think he's up to Premier League standard that's for, or Arsenal standard. He might he might or a or a you know or a a mid-table side or Watford or something like that, but I don't think he's quite up to Arsenal level. So I think in the summer, you know, when we we um we, we answered actually we answered some questions, didn't we, Farhan, uh, about um in our Twitter DMs from a Villa supporter, and he and he, one of the questions he asked was, how do you rate uh, Arsenal's? Well, how do you rate Mikel Arteta's uh, 
rain so far. Mm. And I said seven because, yes, he's done all these great things, got rid of the Deadwood and got rid of so many people, Bamiang, when he was, you know, under, under pressure. And But what he hasn't done for me, which will bring it up to a 10 or a nine or, or, or further towards the top, he hasn't signed a top, top striker on his own back. You know what I mean? He hasn't gone out. We, we, yeah, we've signed Odegaard and we've signed all these great players, but I don't think he's signed a top, top forward of his own that he wants. Mm. So I think in the summer he will he will sign that top top forward, whether it's Isaac or or Felix or whoever we've been linked to, because we're going we're to be linked to uh, so many players in the summer. I can't even begin to to tell you how many players Arsenal are going to be linked with from now until the end of the season and in, in, into the summer. Um, but I think when he signs a top top forward that can compete with Lacazette or whoever whoever's going to stay um, in the summer then I think that's what's going to raise him up to a 10. Because right now you're depending on Lacazette and Kessia, which isn't the best, um, especially when you want to win games. Kind of, I know um, Eddie and Kessia has been great coming off of the bench. In the has Carabao he, has Cup, he been example, great? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Carabao Cup, yeah. In, in, the Carabao Cup, in, the, in the Carabao Cup, he was good coming off the bench. But let's be honest, the Carabao Cup is different to an actual Premier League game. Um, kind of form that happens before goes out the window in those games. Um, yeah. So in the Premier League, however, he's not really been up to that standard. So we need uh, a good backup, a strong backup uh, striker. But in Ketia, uh, how do you think he did when he, he came did, on? Because uh, there was one moment right when he picked up the. He, I think uh, the ball was played to him, and he tried to, he tried, he tried to turn. He tried to do like a dummy turn. And he just he just fell to the ground. It seemed as if there was an invisible sniper that just took him out, and it was the most bizarre moments of that uh, of the last kind know. of five ten I, minutes. I, I, it was really strange, but yeah. I guess it just yeah it, it really summarizes. Um, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Because he is, you know, with with all the qualities that he's got, he's a decent centre forward. Maybe not for Arsenal, but for someone else. Like you said, maybe a yeah, Watford exactly. side, a mid-table side, he could do a, a pretty good job, but it doesn't work for us, I don't think. Exactly, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and, and the quicker we the quicker we find uh, a solution, uh, then 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 we'll be we'll be good, hopefully. But yeah, in Kessia, he came on to see the game out. We did that, so I can't really complain. Yeah, 85 minutes, Odegaard comes off for Rob Holding. Rob Holding signalling to the whole world that we are playing five at the back. Um, that, is, that, is a, that is a bold, bold move. And, mm. uh, we've never really, really done it. that before. We've, we've never really done that before, taking off an attack on put on a defender. That is how, mu- that is how, how, how much it showed that we needed the win. Mm. And that he, you know, we weren't going to score another goal after that when that came on. We were just so solely focused on on getting the win that we yeah. we, yeah, that we have. So, um, fair play to Rob Holding for coming on in that situation. Yeah. And I, re- I would have preferred us to have scored the second goal rather than to resort to that because that last five minutes, I mean, four minutes added on. Why was there four minutes added on to the end of the first, second half? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, is, there was no incidents in the in the second half. So, it was really strange to no, see four minutes being added on. doesn't come from the first as well. Does it? Surely the first half's uh, problems would have been added on to the first half injury. Isn't it both of them put together? I don't think so. I don't think it would be. 
It makes no sense. No, for it. that wouldn't work, would it? No, no. No, it wouldn't. So, I yeah, uh, it was just strange. Like four minutes added on, and those four know. minutes were really, really tense. You had everyone running forward, and then the last free kick, when Martinez was on the edge of the box, and I'm thinking, no. God, no. Please, if there's one player that I cannot handle, I won't be able to deal with scoring is this guy. And, you know, thankfully, exactly. Coutinho goes for the shot. Um, and, you know, Leno makes a really, really good save of it. And then the referee blows the final whistle. And it's like, ah, and Excel. <laughs> we we can breathe. breathe we can, yeah, we can re- relax. Three on. points. And we are looking really, really good in the, um, in the Premier League. I'm sorry, my, my computer's just, I don't know why. Is Am I being hacked or something? Hello? You're Can you hear me? out a bit. Yeah, this is really weird. I don't know what's going you're on. Out. What's going on? I don't know. I feel like someone's hacking into my computer. My my, 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 my screen just kind of went black, but it's back now. Uh, weird. Okay, okay, we're back now. Anyways. It, it kind of lagged for a bit. Yeah, sorry about that. I don't know. Um, okay. Yeah, strange. I, I've lost connection now, apparently. Can you hear me? I can still hear you. Okay. Yeah. That's good. So as long as you hear me. You maybe hear we me? should maybe we should wrap up now. <laughs> maybe my computer's trying to tell me. Time to wrap up. Yeah, I think uh, now. Is he still there? <laughs> Why does this always happen to us? We did so well this show to, to avoid any technical difficulties and right at the death, here we are. Technical difficulties. Oh guys, I can only apologize for this. This really is not good. I don't know what is going on today. Really strange. My computer just kind of refreshed itself. Anyways, um, I'm going to conclude the show. Arsenal sit fourth. We now enter an international break. All is good. We don't need to panic. I don't think we've been panicking much this season. Um, Looking at the league table, though, we have lost eight games and the teams above us have not lost more than three. So maybe that's a little bit worrying. But having said that, though, we've only drawn three and everyone else has, well, aside from City, Liverpool have drawn six, Chelsea have drawn eight, United have drawn eight. Um, Yeah, United are bound to lose a lot more games than just seven. Uh, But anyway, we now enter the international break with, you know, four points clear of um, United with yet one game to play they do however play Leicester very soon um, on the 2nd of April and well when they play that we'll we'll then have um, two games in hand of them so yeah really really interesting times ahead of us I cannot wait to see the end of the season I am however going to leave it here I want to say a massive thank you to everybody who has been listening up until this point if you enjoyed the podcast, if you enjoyed the episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you thought of this episode, whether you have any questions, whether you have any comments or anything at all. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Pod. You can find James on Twitter at JamesPayneAFC. And we will be back, people, um, probably next week. Uh, we will definitely do a show in between the international break uh, to talk about Arsenal, to talk about you know how the boys are doing on the international break, any news, anything going on in the background. So I very much look forward to that. But until then, take your uh, take care of yourselves. 
Have yourselves a lovely weekend, rest of the weekend, or whenever you're listening to this, listening to this, maybe the rest of the week. And enjoy the weather. It's beautiful out there. So go out and enjoy the sun whilst it's here. Um, but yeah, as always, uh, see you next week and take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. <laughs>